going to actually follow up on what Andrew was talking on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in a, in just some thoughts I've had. Let's see if we can strive to do what's right. We're going to talk this morning about confidence and trust. Confidence and trust. I'm not going to mention those just every other sentence, though, but we are going to talk about it. In a, You'll get the gist of it. I want to, as our text will open, we want to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. And it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So, the first part of this chapter, uh, Philippians 3, talks about the basically the, those of the mutilation, who the Judaizing teachers. And their, their confidence was in getting uh, Gentile circumcised, basically, is what it was. And, but I want us to talk about the, this, this confidence for just a minute, this reliance or this assurance of something. And it's also a, a trust or confidence in others. Example of that would be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 22, where it says, We have sent with them our brother whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great, great confidence which we have in you, that Paul had confidence that the Corinthian brothers were going to do the right thing. And so he also had confidence in this brother he was sending to them. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Well, who's the one we have confidence and access to? This verse shows us from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 5, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. We are uh, not that we are qualified, basically, of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our, our fitness is from God. That's what he's talking about. And uh, back again to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I more so. So I want us to look at the, think about the confidence in the flesh. That those, the things of the world, at times, seem to be more important. They just do. They just do. I want to look at brother number one and brother number two. These are two actual people. Sandra even knows who they are, but I'm going to try not to call their name, but I may not, I may not make it. It may slip out, but that's whatever. Um, these men, well, I will just compare them right quick. Uh, brother number one is married with children. Actually, I, actually, he's now divorced, but he has children, and he is an alderman in the, the small town that they live in. And he's also a funeral home director. 
He's a member of a denomination. He's a deacon in his denomination. And we have had some Bible discussions. He, would, he could never answer a question that I posed to him. He never could answer that. I think that's rather interesting. Now, he just didn't, he was a part of a church. That's what he was. He, could, he didn't know. Why? Not really. Well, he'd go on vacation, and I found out some of this from his brother, actually. I wasn't even trying to find out the information, but his brother told me, he said, he'd go on vacation. And he didn't even try to worship. He didn't, the, the concept of worship when he's on vacation was, was just foreign to him. I, I worship at home. I go to church at home. And the, the thought of going on Wednesday night, of course, if he didn't go on Sunday, he wasn't going to go on Wednesday night. He'd drive all day on Sunday, but never the thought, let me stop and worship. It just was not there. It's right over his head. Brother number two is divorced and has no children. He works long hours, but he runs a funeral home too. Both of them run funeral homes, and they both work long hours. He does not worship at all and is not interested in worship. He is not interested in the Bible discussion that we might have, we tried to, it just wasn't there. He wasn't, he just not it. He wasn't going to be there. I'm particularly thinking about brother number one. That's the concept we don't need to be into. So let's just look at something here. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it cannot be, or it is not subject to God, subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Brother number one is right there. He's a religious guy, but he sets his mind on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, those who would please the Lord, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The carnally minded, the fleshly people who set their minds on the, on the things of the flesh, the carnally minded is death. That, that's the result. That's where they get as a reward. The spiritually minded, their reward's life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity, is at war with God. He's a good religious guy. He's, he's, he's at war with God. He's not subject to the law of God, no, it can't, nor can it be because it's different than what God wants. So then those who are in the flesh cannot, doesn't say will not, it says cannot please God. Cannot please God. So let's look at the brothers again. 
He's a good deacon. When he goes on vacation, now his brother tells me this, he's told me this, he goes on vacation, and when he gets out of town, that's when he starts buying his beer. And he starts drinking, but he, won't, he doesn't want anybody back home to know. When he gets back home, he'll be a good deacon. He'll be just what they all do. That's what he'll be. As a matter of fact, they're Ole Miss fans, as we are. And when Ole Miss was playing for the SEC championship two or three times in the last several years in baseball in Hoover, Alabama, the championship game was always on Sunday. This guy, he's there. He is not concerned about going to church services. I mean, this is, this is, I almost said his name. This is who he is. This is what he does all the time. He gets back, and he's respectable. You know, both these guys, they're quite different. The town loves them both. Think highly of both of them. One of them says he worships the Lord, doesn't, the other one doesn't even pretend to. That's the verses I read a while ago. What's the difference in these two guys? Brother number one, brother number two. What's, what's the difference in them? Nothing. There is no difference. In God's eyes, they're the same. They're not serving him. And that's where we don't need to be. We have chosen to serve the Lord. And so we have the Bible here that this guy has no idea, brother number one, he has no idea what what's in it, really. He just listens to the preacher and <laughs> good sermon, preacher. But he doesn't know what he said. He doesn't know why what was said was said. But we are supposed to be a student of the book, the student of God's word, but not like brother number one that has no clue. Brother number one was going to teach a class in Revelation. And I went in his, his office, and he's, he's got this little bitty workbook, and he's, he's looking through it. I said, well, won't you just open Revelation? Well, this is, uh, he said, that, you know that rapture thing is going to be something? Show that to me. No clue. No clue. But he's going to teach Revelation, so. So there's Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. As I mentioned, the Judaizing teachers were emphasizing circumcision on the people in Philippi. And basically what they were doing, they were uh, having confidence in the flesh because they were getting, apparently, maybe some of them were uh, having some success in, in circumcising some of these people. And so that was where their confidence was. That flesh, that word is sarx, or I guess that's how you pronounce it in the Greek. Uh, and I left out some of the parts of the definition, but stripped of skin, the meat of the animal, the body, As a symbol of what is external. That's what the flesh is. It's all there. The Christian does not boast in the flesh. His boast is in Lord, the Lord Jesus. 
I want us to look at First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, just for a couple of minutes. I'm not going to go into great depth on this. But it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what in the what is the world part that we are not to love? So what in the world are, are we supposed to be opposed to? Well, let me just talk about some things we're not to be opposed to uh, in the world so we can get on the right track. We're not supposed to be, we wouldn't be opposed to the creation, the universe, or the people that inhabit this universe, or the surroundings that we see every day. We're not, you know, that's, that's not the world he's talking about. He's not talking about the rain and the sunshine and the mountains, the seas, the, uh, the sunset, sunrise, birds singing, the flowers and the fragrances, and the food and animal life, and of which we all love. That's not what he's talking about. What is he talking about? What is the world that we're not to love? The word world is the Greek word is cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. And it's whatever is opposed to God. That's what we are, we are opposed to. We are th- opposed to the things that are evil, the things that are part of this world that people are so attached to. And people dedicate themselves to getting and being involved in all of this activity in the world. We just are. It just happens. In John three sixteen, you all know the verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The, the love mentioned in John three sixteen is not the kind of love for the world type things, but it's a it's a compassion and a mercy that God extends toward us in his son. But here it's selfishness and pride and selfish desires, selfishness, worldly pride, all those things which are opposed to God. Men cherish things here in in this world, this life and its greediness and reaching out for it. We don't think of it as greediness. We're, 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 We're reaching out for things, but we don't consider it to be greed. We think of it in something else that would sound more pleasing to the Lord. But that's what it is. That's what this world's all about. And we strive to obtain mastery over our, I'll say, domain. And we think we're getting satisfaction from it. But it's far short of that. But we think we are. It feels like we are. And we strive to gain more and more and more. And we forget about the Lord. That all takes the place of the Lord. Scripture says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So we, we, if we do that, 
if we do love the world, we put our confidence in it, and we trust in things of this life. That's where we go. It's easy to do. We just live life. We just, that's what we do. And if this is what we we love, then the love of God is foreign to us. It's not there for us. Because we're striving against God, if that's what we put our emphasis in. Now, in this world, we lose sight of the goal. We want to be rewarded after this life is over, but we may not want to live like it. I'm afraid we, we might lose sight of it, that we do those things that please us in the world instead of doing the things that pleases God who is not in the world. And so we don't see our brothers every day, but we do see the people of the world every day. And we're we're mingled with them, and these people are not thinking about the Lord the same way that we're supposed to be. As a matter of fact, some of them don't even think about the Lord. They don't even think about uh, the resurrection, the after this life is over. It's not a part of their uh, concepts that they consider. And and it's getting to be, as I think Mark put on there, uh, up on the board last week, there's fewer and fewer and fewer people are even going to worship services. So that's that's who we mingle with, though. Because we see those people every day. We go to our jobs. And we're surrounded by these people and the atmospheres. And we let it change us. Unfortunately. Worldly people have a worldly mindset. And lead us into doing things that we wouldn't normally do. If they get a grip on us and that's what we yearn for. It just happens. It's not, a, it's not set out to do that if we're trying to serve the Lord. We don't set out for it to be that way. But it does. It just seeps in. It takes over. And pretty soon, we're just going through the motions. Instead of changing others, others change us. And they don't do it for the better. That's the way it works. We get all involved in the world, and that's where we go. I remember Curtis Pope preaching a gospel meeting. He said, I think it was while he was in college, and I could be wrong. But anyway, he was working at a job while he was going going through college, if I remember right. He said he surrounded all these people. Uh, that are not spiritually minded and the profanity that, that some of them at least used. And he said he hit his finger with a thumb with a hammer one time and guess what he thought of? He thought of some of the profanity. He didn't say it. He didn't say the word. He thought of it. That was the first thing he thought of. That rubs off on us. That gets to us. Because if you go in the convenience store, there's a worldly person going to take your money. If you go pump gas, same thing. If you go to the grocery store, John, you can tell us the same thing. Worldly people. And they affect us. They just do. 
So we have a devotion problem. We're not, we lose our devotion to God. We lose our commitment to the Lord. And we basically lose confidence in Him, trust in Him. Turn with me to Luke 16. Luke 18, excuse me. Didn't do this on purpose again. I'm teaching Luke 18 after John does 17, or John and Matt finishes 16. But Luke 18, verses 18 through 23. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. fantastic question. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Well, that's it. There's three or four instances of, in Scripture where people say, what must I do to be saved? Same thing. Same question. That, that's, that's the question. And so Mark tells us that Jesus looked at this man and, 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 and loved him. By the way, I'm going to tell you that before. Because this man kept the law. He, he, he was good for his neighbors. But he had a major problem. His problem is he wouldn't surrender what he had. That was too important for him. Stuff and things were too... He's rich. He's rich. He is very rich, he says. And so he, was, he asked the right question. But he wasn't really, 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 really ready to follow through on it. I don't like the answer. If I have confidence in my money, in my stuff, in my riches, Jesus said, you'd give it up if you want to go to heaven. And he went away sorrowful because he was very rich. Let's look at some scriptures now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Lord, Paul, he's at home in the body, but he'd rather be with the Lord. So we walk by faith, not by the things that we see. We're confident, well-pleased, rather to be absent in the body and to be pleasant with, present with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10, two, the next two verses, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Our aim is to be pleasing to the Lord. 
2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. The motivation for doing that is the judgment. That we're going to be answering for the things we've done in the body. Hmm. What I've done, the Lord's going to tell me what my sentence is. We're going to, oh, I did this. I don't, I'm sorry. Too late. Too late. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages in his self-confidence. The one who lives for the worldly things is self-confident. That these things will please him and make him something different. And they don't. Just make you a sinner. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Why would that be? Because he, well, he, he's going to have a place, his children have a place of refuge, but he's going to be the one that, that, that gives the reward of whatever it might be. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Uncle of mine preached for 60 years. I don't know how many times he quoted those two scriptures over his time as a preacher. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. It's not about me. It's me following the Lord. And he'll direct your paths, not the world. <clears throat> In Proverbs three, verse twenty-six, for the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your and will keep your foot from being caught. He'll be the light to the path, as it were. Psalms twenty-seven, verse four. One thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. I like that verse. That should be what we strive for. That we seek those things that will please the Lord. One thing I've desired, that's what I seek. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to live with the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I thought it was a, a, a wonderful thought Sid had in his sermon in Starwell Friday night that heaven itself, heaven is the holy of holies. And I thought, wow. I don't guess I'd ever thought about it quite like that. In the temple, the Holy of Holies, where the, the high priest only goes in once a year. Heaven is that place. The Holy of Holies. And we all have access to it. But not if we put our confidence in the flesh. Our confidence should be in the Lord. And that we might seek him, desire the Lord, dwell in his house, behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. I appreciate your time.
If you need to respond to the call of the gospel, if your heart's not right with the Lord, you can make it right right now while we stand and while we sing.